Hey, welcome to Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is part two of the three-part program that I did November 13th, 2013 with the very beautiful Roy Campbell on the topic of Woody Shaw and, oh man, all the things that uh, Deep Focus is all about, uh, passion and special knowledge and commitment and inspiration, all those things come together on this program. It was such a delight to do and um, so sad that Roy Campbell passed away not two months after this recording. So glad that I'm able to bring this to you right now and uh, this is part two. If you're enjoying it, come find us. You can find Deep Focus on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, Podcast Republic, Podbean, which hosts the podcast, mitchgoldman.podbean.com is the place to find the, all the subscription information and everything. Tons of stuff, all free, ad-free, money-back guarantee. And uh, here is part two of November 13th, 2013, Roy Campbell on the topic of Woody Shaw and Deep Focus. Uh-huh. 
Woody Shaw on stage at Keystone Corner in San Francisco, yeah, September. Yeah, was out there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Not really, Woody. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I Most think. Okay. You know. I was just well, telling Mitch oh, yeah. while we were listening to this that um, All right, this now, tune. Uh, should we let him, we like to, uh, let him talk a little? Feature. Hmm? He's All still, right. Woody's I'm still going. Right. Oh. oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll come, we're going to come back. We're going to come back, Woody. We, you, you, we, you know, you're the star of the show, man. Woody, you are the star of the show. Woody Shaw. But our guest tonight, Roy Campbell, this is Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. We're listening to rare, unreleased recordings of the great Woody Shaw. And uh, this one from Keystone Corner in San Francisco, which was uh, one, of the, one of the popular stops on the circuit 
back then, 1980, in uh, around the country for great music like this. And uh, Roy, what are your what are your thoughts? I said I was going to ask you about the cats that he's playing with, and and how's this band working for you? Oh, this was a great band. They were tight, and with even being tight, there was sort of a looseness and a free spirit with their playing. And um, everybody, each one of these guys has a strong, loud, clear voice of his own, but it's there's a group sound to it too. Yes, and and I think that's the height of what you can do with a band. You know, you can have you know tightness and a degree of looseness, and everybody contributing their unique voice and at the same time, but. It's one. Now, that was an interesting tune, OPEC, which neither of us were intimately familiar with, but uh, it seemed to have a kind of a two-part structure, and there was, uh, had this kind of uh, ripping part of it, and then this kind of ballad feel to it, and each one of the guys did something very different with his solo. What did, uh, any thoughts about the craft there? Well, I think this is a um, tune is a great example of how Woody thought rhythmically, and also when you listen to Woody's solos, they are complex harmonically, but yet with the complexity of harmony, you also hear the linear style of trumpet playing where you hear a melodic line and or you'll hear a phrase, but you always hear ah, and then the next phrase mm-hmm. stops. And also, once again, there's no waste of notes. Unfortunately, today I, I admire a lot of um, players' techniques, but at the same time, they just be running a lot of notes, but they don't know how to breathe and use space. And all the masterful players knew about that. Woody, Freddie, Coltrane, all the masters, Miles, they know how to use (coughs) harmonic complexity and complex lines, but yet know how to phrase with spacing. And a lot of those guys seem to be great admirers of Woody, too. I mean, you hear these things. All these guys had phenomenal things to say about him. You know, Miles, textbook example, not somebody who went out of his way to say too many nice things about other musicians sometimes. But uh, Woody, he had a lot of respect for. He, he sure did. He, um, he was one that in, endorsed Woody to be on Columbia right. Records. Right, which that was a real prestige label at the time. Uh, well, not to no pun intended, <laughs> saying a prestige <laughs> label, but prestige wasn't even prestige well, at that time. Well, Columbia, in terms of a jazz musician, that was the top of the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Prestige Records was you know a jazz label, and um, Blue Note Records was jazz labels. But I think Blue Note wasn't even active at that time. No, Note, no, they yeah. they weren't pretty. Impulse active. wasn't active at that time. No. And uh, Columbia kind of uh, ran the game a little bit. And it's funny because I, I heard that, too, that Miles recommended Woody to be signed. But uh, I had always thought that you know, he was kind of a 
protege of uh, Dexter Gordon's, and Dexter Gordon was on Columbia, but but apparently it was more Miles say so than anything else. Yes, and also what he did a, a album with Joe Zalnu, and there was a quotation in the line of notes at that time where Miles commented that Woody Shaw's was a unique voice on the trumpet and what he was doing was different. That was, I mean, I'm just trying to think for somebody who might not have been aware of the kind of mystique that Miles had at that time, especially, still has, and uh, how how heavy that was, how significant that was. Yeah, because, truthfully speaking, Miles uh, was a shy person, and then he was an outspoken person, too, and there was a lot of musicians that Miles criticized. Right, and, he said nasty mm-hmm really outwardly dismissive things about some great, great musicians. That's right. You know, Arnett Coleman and... Eric Dolphy. Yeah. Don Cherry, you know. Yeah. But but he liked Woody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and at that time, that even surprised me. But I I, I know inside secret, though, he he liked uh, Freddie and Lee and... When uh, Miles used to get horns sometimes, he would give them to Lee Morgan for about a month or two to break them in. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then Lee would give him back the horn. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, how, uh, as a trumpet player, talking to Roy Campbell about Woody Shaw, but more generally to somebody who does not play a brass instrument, it might be surprising to hear that this piece of metal has to be quote-unquote broken in. Yeah, well, it depends on the trumpet that you have. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, trumpets are unique. The mount, There's all kinds of mouthpieces. And when you get into being a trumpet player, it might take you a while to find the right mouthpiece that's suitable f- for you so you can do things with ease, you know, to build range and flexibility and um, maintain a sound from the lowest notes Mm -hmm. to the highest notes. Mm -hmm. And then trumpets, even though they look the same, they're not the same. Mm -hmm. There's different bore sizes. Mm -hmm. And you can get a trumpet or a mouthpiece by a company, and it's the same size, the same model, and it'll be completely different because... like the mouthpieces are not uh, the same. I mean, um, I have a size six mouthpiece. I have about maybe a dozen or more of them, and each one is different. Wow. You know, some of them will give you a brighter sound, a darker sound. And I play a Yamaha right now, and I brought that from my repairman. But he had another Yamaha, the same model. Mm-hmm. I couldn't play it. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, the one I chose, that was good for me. And it was similar to a horn I had years ago, which was a Bach 43. They they patterned that horn after a model 43 Bach. You know, mm-hmm. it, it even looks the same. I seem to recall that Woody played a Yamaha, didn't he? 
Yeah, he played a Yamaha trumpet because the trumpet he asked me to uh, play was a Yamaha. And and one thing he, he commented about that, too. He said, yeah, you didn't have your trumpet and your mouthpiece and you played my horn. And, and he said, yeah, you can play, you know, and, and it's not easy to play a horn that you're not accustomed to with a different size mouthpiece. But if you've been playing a long time, you you'll know how to work work it. Mm-hmm. Now, what's he also played a a Bach flugelhorn mm-hmm. and a Bach cornet because mm-hmm. there was a period of time in the early '80s when he was playing cornet. And I think uh, I heard a similar story about you and him. That as kids, you both. Started out playing violin. Yes, I played violin in uh, junior high school for about three years. But another thing I I, I will say about Woody, Woody um, had perfect pitch, mm-hmm. and I also had perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. But like. You could play a chord on the piano, and please, please, you know, sometimes after hours when I would hang out with Woody, somebody would play a chord, and Woody could tell you instantly what that chord. He said, oh, this is a C9 with a flat five and, and whatever. And, wow. And it might take me a minute to figure <laughs> that was, out. He I, was right there with it. Yeah, he was right there with it. I mean, he knew it instantly. Wow. Mm-hmm. He also was said to have uh, just photographic memory. He could just look at a, a chart and like, okay, yes, I got he, it. Yes, he had that also, too. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, and this was one of the things when I was talking a little bit earlier about that sort of mystique and uh, uh, vibe that he projected. Um, he seemed to do a lot of uh, kind of personal development kind of things. I remember him uh, finishing a set coming off stage, going off in the side of the room somewhere and doing Tai Chi by himself. And Yeah, he used to do that in the Vanguard too, during the breaks yeah. and stuff. Sometimes he would go outside and I would be with him outside and he would be doing Tai Chi movements and stuff. Yeah. I think, and he seemed I to th- have to also other things I can't remember specifically that kind of like mental discipline sort of things of, of uh, developing his mind and, and mind-body kind of stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that was relaxing for him, too, you know, in between sets. Because when you're rarely playing, sometimes you really geared up and keyed up in another kind of level. I mean, from my experience, sometimes when I finish a gig it's very hard for me to go to sleep right away sure when i get home and um because you know the adrenaline is up yeah and, and playing trumpet if you play in a certain way too it's like yoga and the chi and um, right breathing it's yeah, all about breathing. breath controlling mm-hmm. breath right and, and yeah energy that you're putting out you know and, and if you are a very fiery player and whatever, and play upstairs, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, it arouses the Kundalini, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, sure. And, um, and it takes a while to come down from that and just ease back to, uh, you know, a state where you're not playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Did Woody uh, move a lot of air to play like that? Was he was he a high volume player? Was he? Uh... Woody had a big sound and and he could get upstairs. You oh know? yeah, yeah. And and and, and when it's, it was time, he was up there, man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Let me ask you about his tone. He's got a distinctive tone, and uh, I don't know if it's the classical trumpet tone or if it's a conventional idea, but it seemed like his sound, some trumpet players have kind of, uh, I don't know if I described this correctly, but like uh, almost like you can hear the outer edges of the sound and the inner center of it is is kind of blank. And he just had a very full sound. He had a very, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe you could describe better than I can and, and what it takes to make that kind of sound. Well, Sound is something you develop, you know. It's like he, he studied classical music and the whole thing, and and at the same time, I think. Well, I, I feel that your tone is something you hear in your mind first, and then. It comes out the instrument, and it's also your life experience and what you experience musically. It's all there. It's your your personality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. And um, if you know yourself, you're gonna have a unique sound. You know, there's people that play instruments, and they never get past their influences, mm, mm, you mm, know. Mm-hmm. And um, Woody had a mission, and he knew what he wanted, and that's how his own sound developed. I mean, sometimes when I used to hang out with Woody, we would just talk about great masters, and we would talk about book of little solos and, certain, and some records and Lee and Freddie and Fats Navarro and Donald Brad, we would just be, you know, like sparring yeah. <laughs> and talking about different trumpeters we loved and admired. But at the same time, you you can admire and be influenced by someone, but at the same time, if you know yourself, you your own personality and your own uniqueness, I say, is based on your knowledge, wisdom, and experiences, and it comes out. And then Woody also would write about people and life experiences he had. He would make a composition, and I do the same thing too. You know, like theme for Maxine as an example. Right. He he wrote, that's for Maxine his wife. You yeah. know, and mm. and things like that, you know. Yeah, he's... he's uh... And a great example is those records he did with Freddie where um, you, you you know who's when Freddie's soloing yes. and Freddie is playing and you know when Woody is playing, you know. Freddie, and if you're... Uh, I'm sure there's some listeners who know 
intimately the things we're talking about, and there's some who are scratching their heads saying, Freddie, who's Freddie? Freddie's Freddie, Freddie Hubbard. That's right. Who mm-hmm. was uh, more or less roughly contemporary of what he's maybe, Freddie was a few years older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they were, at the time, two of the, uh, Freddie was another, speaking of trumpeters, trumpeters. He was, he was branded as that almost from the beginning. And um, he and Woody recorded together two trumpets. And they made, I think, three albums together. That's right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was uh, anybody who loves a trumpet, it's a treat listening to those guys play. And, and they also both played with Eric Dolphy. Right, right, absolutely. And with uh, Blakey. Yeah. And we could probably come up with 10 or 12 others that they both played with. That's right. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that that uh, that's something. Any of this stuff, any of this music, if this strikes a chord with you, if you don't know Woody Shaw, by gum, go out and find those great records that he made on the Columbia label, on the Muse label, on the Prestige, con- Prestige Contemporary, I think, also. And contemporary, that's right. And uh, he, uh, some of them, quite honestly, I think are better than others, but there's not a stinker in the bunch, I don't think. No, I agree <laughs> with you. And so, Woody always came to play and take care of business. We are talking about the great Woody Shaw. Passed away, ah, 1989, age 44. Hard to imagine. He seemed like he'd been around forever at the time. And looking back on it, he was really a relatively young man. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for me, I believe that was the most tragic passing away of any jazz musician. Even Clifford Brown, you know. I mean, Clifford died in a car accident, but, I mean, when Woody passed away, that that was sad, man, you know. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, and, and you lose a loss like that, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't go away. It doesn't heal, really. It's no, just no. A, a hole where there should have been a whole lot more music to come from him. But uh, we are celebrating his music tonight. This show is called Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman, and Roy Campbell's my guest. And Roy, you got uh, now big part of this show. Big part of the whole reason we do this show is to remind you, my friendly listeners, you good-looking, brilliant people that you are, how of the opportunity you have to get out of your house, get out of your car, and go out. And be with this music, breathe with this music, be part of this music, respond to this music, hear this music, be healed by this music. And um, you've got some opportunities coming your way. Why just to hear the great Roy Campbell here in New York City and probably other places. I know we have listeners outside the New York City area, and Roy is a regular steady touring musician, and you should all look out for an opportunity to hear him. But you got a gig coming up this Saturday night, as I understand it. Yes, that gig is with um, Avram Pfeffer, Michael Wimberly, and uh, Adam Lane. Adam Lane is a band leader. And it's going to be at a space called the Firehouse in Brooklyn. And it's on Forster, I think, Avenue or Forster Street. So look the firehouse on the internet or on Google and the show starts at 8 p.m. And we're going That's a smoking band right there. Yes, and we're going to be doing some spirituals by Mahela Jackson and 
some other various um, spirituals and Afro-American tradition, but we'll also be employing it our way. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. That's one not to miss. And then you've got, uh, I know, April 5th, you're playing uh, Soto Velez. Yes, that's with Other Dimensions in Music. Other Dimensions in Music has been together for 32 years. Wow. With the same personnel, with wow. Daniel Carter on uh, f- flute and trumpet and other saxophones, clarinet, and William Parker on bass and various instruments, and Charles Downs on drums, and myself on trumpet, flugelhorn, and flute. And we'll be playing at 8 p.m., April 5th. And that's the Soto Valera Center at, uh, I think, 108 Suffolk Street. What day of the week is April 5th? That's a It's a Friday night. Right, right. Oh, Friday perfect. night. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Great night for you to get out of the house and hear some music. And then you got, you're doing I-Beam the next night, right? Yes, with uh, Iran Alicia. And I-Beam is also on Brooklyn. I do not remember the address. You know, I have Jazzheimer's, but... Uh. They'll find it. They'll find it. And not only that, but uh, Roy Campbell. You should, uh, if you don't know Roy Campbell's music, go to RoyCampbellMusic.com and uh, learn about more about Roy and what's coming up and recordings that you've done and dates coming up and all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for coming through and for inspiring a, what... A show, I don't know if anybody else is enjoying it. I know I'm having fun, and I'm, having, I'm loving the music, and I'm learning all kinds of things about a favorite musician of mine, Woody Shaw. And, um, well, maybe we should play the last cut from this date in, uh, at uh, Keystone Corner, because you know what, Roy, we got, we got a lot more music. Oh, I can good. tell already we're not going to get to play it all. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but we'll, uh, we'll squeeze in as much as we can. And I gotta say, I wouldn't um, give up a minute of any of the great insights you've had for another phrase of music from Woody that I hadn't heard before. Because your your insight is invaluable. You you know this cat, man. I I knew you'd be. I figured you would, but I mean, mm-hmm. you're blowing away all my expectations. So uh, we're gonna go back to uh, Keystone Corner, and this next track next and last track of this set by the way there were three sets that night this is really? just the first of three sets wow i didn't even bring the other two maybe we'll mm-hmm. save that for part two of what yeah, i, I would love Campbell. to do a part two <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get there we will get there um and i'm wondering if i should uh announce this track or just tell people because it's kind of a surprise and it's one that we know from it was an old song when charlie parker played it and yeah what do you think do you remember do you want to tell announce that tune and uh you remember i don't remember ever hearing woody play that yeah the next tune is going to be old folks as, as a tune charlie parker recorded numerous times and made very famous i have never uh heard woody play this and that would be a pleasure <laughs> and also i see one of my favorite songs here is solar it's on there too, and I would that, love to hear that. Part two, part two <laughs> of this program. Watch this space. 
Roy Campbell is our guest. The show is called Deep Focus, and uh, we're talking about Woody Shaw. This is music from Woody, unless you happen to be at the Keystone Corner, September 25th, did I say? 1980. You have never heard this music. But uh, you might have heard Woody with the Cats, because it's Steve Touré on trombone, Stafford James playing the bass, Mulgrew Miller playing piano, and uh, the great Victor Lewis on the drums. All those guys played many, many nights like this one with Woody, but uh, we're going to the Keystone Corner on WKCR. Thank you. 
That's why he, he called me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I should have said stand by. <laughs> I didn't. That's the end of the first Ladies set. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a big hand for Steve Torrey and trombone. Old folks. Yeah, that was a feature for Steve Torrey. Old folks. Now, what I didn't think about, you just reminded me of, Roy Campbell, is a story Steve Torrey told me that basically his whole career got started in that room, Keystone Corner. I think he was in high school going there to see Rasan Roland Kirk. And... Uh, that was, uh, and Rasan said, yeah, what do you got, kid? And uh, <laughs> that was how it all began. And there he is with Woody, and Woody maybe knew that, maybe didn't, maybe didn't matter, but he said, Steve, your time to shine. Yeah. He's very generous. I mean, it, these songs, they're very long songs, not a lot of tracks in a set. And he gave everybody, everybody had as much chance to solo as he did, except Victor, I don't think, took a solo in that whole set, barely. So far, no. So far. Okay, part two of this program. We are now going into hour three. So let me just say this is WKCRFM New York. My name is Mitch Goldman. The program, Jazz Alternatives, of course, is the show every weeknight from 6 to 9 p.m. But when we do one of these, we call it Deep Focus, and we have a deep focus on the great Woody Shaw, and our guest tonight is the fantastic Roy Campbell, band leader, trumpeter, composer, improviser, uh, um, historian, interpreter, <laughs> insight generator, Roy Campbell. And um, yeah, we just, man, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of having the same experience listening to this music in the studio that you're having at home and uh, listening to Woody Shaw. And we talked a bunch about uh, this band, Steve Touré up on the front line on trombone, rhythm section of Mulgrew Miller, Stafford James on bass, Mulgrew on piano, Victor Lewis in this case on drums. I'm going to ask you a, an unfair question. I'm going to put you on the spot, Roy, because you grew up, you and I grew up uh, just a couple miles down the road from each other. And uh, when I was a kid, well, it was a couple of years away from each other. When I was a kid, we used to play stickball. We used to play kickball. We used to play touch football in the street. And uh, there'd be two captains. I don't remember how we decided who was going to be captain. Two captains would stand up on one side, and everybody else would stand on the other side. And they would take turns choosing who was going to be on their team. And then we would play. I did the same thing. See? Yeah, I figured. I figured. Because, you know, we were almost neighbors. Right. Now, Captain Roy, Captain Roy, standing on the other side of the room are Steve Touré, Mulgrew Miller, Stafford James, and Victor Lewis. Which one of those guys are you going to pick to be on your team? Who's your first choice? Because it was a big deal. Who was your first choice? Sometimes we even said one team got the first choice and the other captain got to pick number two and three. Well... I really like Stafford James. I uh -huh. had the honor to play with him. I played with all of them except, I think, Victor Lewis. Because mm. mm. at the time when I did play with Woody, um, Tony Redus yeah. was on drums. Yeah, yeah, great, great drummer from, uh, I think, from Newark. From uh... But then, again, I, I have to take that back. Um I played with Victor with Bobby Watson and um, uh, Curtis Lundy. Oh, yeah, sure. In a jam session in New Jersey years ago. Yeah, that's right. And he, he's a 
He's a great drummer. I mean, every, any band that he's in, he's he's a great timekeeper. Oh yeah, yeah. He he he's a great drummer. You couldn't go wrong. Couldn't go wrong with any of these guys. I would say. But we were talking about you I, know, I, Victor. His spirit reminds me of art. You know, he's got that. You uh-huh. Know, you know that spirit. You know, not that he plays like Art Blakey, but he has that kind of spirit as a drummer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you describe that? I just did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess so. Uh, you know, there, there's there's lots of drummers. You know, Roy Haynes has a certain spirit. Elvin Jones mm-hmm. had a certain spirit. You mm-hmm. know, they play drums, but they have their own like stamp mm-hmm. and uh, finesse about being a drummer. Well, all those guys also are. They're like they're driving the bus when mm-hmm. they're playing. They drive a band home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the type of drummers, if you fluffing or, or you tired, you don't stand up before them. <laughs> <laughs> and Stafford James, we were talking about, he he's kind of almost seems to be writing charts, playing bass. He's, he's his rhythmic approach and his harmonic approach. He's He was different, and, and he really... Then, from my point of view, he never got the recognition as a bass player that he should have. Mm-hmm. He, he was unique, you yeah. know. And in the times I've played with him, we really would lock in and and um, feel each other and play together. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I could. I could imagine. Yeah. You know, it's like. And he worked with Woody for years. Yes, he did. And um, they were partners, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they, they, they. Now I was saying earlier, they played together with uh, Gary Bartz. Mm-hmm. You know that um, album. I think Gary recorded at the Left Bank Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a favorite of mine. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great album. One to look out for. Yeah. If you haven't, if you don't have that one. Yeah, it Gary might be Bartz. hard to get. I don't know if that's still in print. I think if I, they, you know, if they're all, if they're all typing mm-hmm. in the computer mm-hmm. on eBay at the same time, they oh, might. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> whoever types fastest is going to get that one. There's not a lot of copies of that one floating around. Gary Bartz, no. B-A-R-T-Z. Yeah. The Left Bank Society in, in yeah. uh, Baltimore. Right. Yes, yes, one to look out for, for sure. And... Uh, Woody turns up on uh, as a sideman on a pretty fair number of people's tracks. Um, he was a Blue Note house musician, practically, right. in the mid-60s. And as you mentioned, um, Eric Dolphy, one of the people who paved the way, and invited him, He was, I think he was 19, to move to Paris. And that Paris reunion band that you talked about, that was... Harkening back to 64, 65, he would play, there's a place, uh, La Cha- Le Chaki Pesh. Right. That uh, Woody played quite a bit with uh, A.T., Arthur Taylor, and I'm trying to remember who was part of that scene at that time. And, um, but, uh, and later though, he also, uh, I just happen to have a list here of some things he recorded. That album Home he made with Gary Bartz in 69, he was, one of the jazz messengers 
in the early 70s, 72, 73. He's on a number of those albums. Um, I've, I've got a little discography I found here. Roy Brooks, Chick Corea. He's on Tones for Jones Bones, a popular album, 66, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. Also on Vortex label, I think. I think you're right. I think yeah, you're right. Atlantic label. Mm-hmm. Nathan Davis, I think, was part of that Paris scene. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's on a few of his from the mid-60s. Dolphy, he's on Iron Man, great album, and Conversations. Booker Irvin. He's on a Booker Irvin album. That's on Blue Note. Yes. I love that album. Textbook tenor. Uh, Sonny Fortune. Kenny Garrett. He's on on Kenny Garrett's first record. Uh, Benny Golson. And he's on, I uh, made a few albums with Dexter. See, here's that, what we That's were talking right. about. He's on Homecoming, that first Homecoming one. Homecoming and the other one at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotham City. Right. And, uh, yeah, quite, it's uh, quite a list. Uh, Joe Anderson at the Lighthouse. Ah, um, oh, that's where it was. Lighthouse, <laughs> lighthouse yes. Uh, and, uh, in California, Lionel Hampton, George Gruntz, Lewis Hayes. They were in, uh, I think they were co-leaders of that band at one point. Andrew Hill. Those are some great records. Um, check those out. Woody Shaw playing with Andrew and Hill. And McCoy Tyner, too. Yes, yes, yes. And Bobby Ex- Hutcherson. Was it? Extent, what was it? Uh, Expansions. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. On 1968. Right. Uh, Azar Lawrence, Jackie Mack with Jackie McLean. He's on Bout Soul. That's a great record. And yeah, and uh, Demon's Dance also. That was a real great one. Yes, Jackie. yes, 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 yes. Pharaoh uh, Sanders. He's on Deaf, Dumb, and Blind. Mm-hmm. And uh, Horace Silver. Yeah, uh, Blue Note. Yep. Mal Waldron, who you mentioned. And uh, he's, uh, yeah, Larry Young, Unity, we talked about. And that album, Zawinul, Joe Zawinul, you talked about, too. Right. So he's, yeah, he, there's, uh, keep an eye out for those Woody Shaw records when you're, maybe uh, if you're walking up Broadway and you see the guy out there with the, <laughs> <laughs> next, next to the body oils and the uh, incense, he's got a few LPs, thumb through. If you see anything with Woody Shaw on it, grab it. That's right. It's worth the, the two bucks he's charging for that. I'm surprised Blue Note nev- never recorded Woody as a leader. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He was, um, especially, I mean, a guy like that who was, he was writing back then. Right, because he played with Horace, Andrew, all, yeah. all, the, all the guys, man. And then later on, they did those albums with Freddie Hubbard on yeah. Blue Note. Right, right. That should have been uh, should have been his call. They should have did that a long time ago, I'm recorded with Woody's Alita, but they never did. Next time I invent a time travel machine, we're going to go back to the <laughs> offices of Blue Note Records and straighten some things out. I like it. I like it. Oh, this is Deep Focus, and Deep Focus is what we have put on the great Woody Shaw and Roy Campbell as our guest. I could not, I could not come close to summoning the information about Woody without you here, Roy. This is this is a treat, man. Getting to talk with you about this music. There was one particular side man that caught your eye and ear playing with Woody, and uh, he's on the set we're going to hear next. That's Carter Jefferson. Carter Jefferson. Now, that we're talking about Woody Shaw not always getting his due. Carter Jefferson is somebody who, I don't know, history is not maybe being as kind to as it should. He was a great player also, and um, Carter and I used to hang out together, and we used to play at uh, 
jam sessions together in Harlem. There used to be a club on, um, I think, 133rd and 7th Avenue called Lickety Split. Huh. And sometimes I used to be doing gigs there. Various people and Carter would come by there and we would jam together and we used to play together in uh, New Jersey and the Bronx. And Carter and uh, Woody played with Art Blakey on the, the same time. They were on the front line. Yes. At a certain point. And they recorded like three records on Prestige together. And Carter always used to call me Big Brother. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't know him, but I get the sense he, he was a oh, character. He, he was a he real. Was, he was a very nice guy, man. Carter, Carter, both of them were nice, man, you know. And um, Carter had a beautiful spirit, man, you know. And uh, and he he played with Woody for a yeah, long time he did. too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're gonna go to a town in Sweden called Christianstad. The date is June seventh, nineteen seventy eight. June is a great time of year to be in Sweden. That's right. Mm-hmm. The days just last forever. Forever, yeah. The sun don't set. That's right. So that was what was going on. And a great band, great band that all these guys, once again, you know, that short list of people that were part of this quintet with Woody Shaw over the years, uh, all these guys on a, made many a date with Woody. And uh, I'll toss names at you, maybe if you want to say a little something about, on piano, Onaje Allen Gums. Of course. I've known uh, Onaje since the early 70s, and we've played together a few times, and he lives in Co-op City, and I see him every so often. Right up the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, great, he's a great pianist, he's a great arranger. That's he's a, right. He's a great record producer. Sure. Yeah, and, and he does a lot of um, things with singers, too. He does uh, arranging, and he's a music director for a lot of uh, singers, record dates, and, you know, live performances. Uh, Carter Jefferson. And he has we, his own band also, right. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carter Jefferson, I didn't mention, he's playing uh, tenor and soprano saxophones, Onage on piano. Clint Houston is the bassist. Yeah, I, I knew Clint from when he used to play with Charles Tolliver. Yes. Years ago. Yes. Yeah, that's when I first met him at the East, playing with uh, Charles Tolliver. Speaking of uh, demanding music from trumpeters. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, it's Victor Lewis on drums. Yeah, goo. <laughs> so you've never heard this. No, I haven't. They, uh, they've never uh, heard this. And I'm I'm waiting to hear it. <laughs> all right, all right. Come on, let's get on the WKCR Express. And uh, we are off to Christianstad, Sweden, 1978. It's Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. We are listening to the music of Woody Shaw with the equally great Roy Campbell here in the studio. And uh, this is Rasan's Run on WKCR. Mm-hmm. Not there, but there. That is part two of 
the three-part podcast. The deep focus on the topic of Woody Shaw with my guest, Roy Campbell. And uh, before you pop over to part three, you should know, uh, let me invite you to subscribe to Deep Focus on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or Podcast Republic or Podbean. You can go to mitchgoldman.podbean.com and see all the past episodes listed. Uh, I think it's a couple of dozen and there's more going up every week and it's all free and advertisement free and all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, go and uh, if you enjoyed that program, listen to part three of Roy Campbell on Woody Shaw, Deep Focus.